Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. You can do what you want to us, but we're not going to sit here and listen to you badmouth the United States of America. Gentlemen! Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is the Weekend Answer Show and Podcast. I'm Garrett Fay. I'm with Jim Ringheimer. We're breaking down the biggest stories of the week. Hope you and your families are doing well. Hope you're having a good weekend. Wherever you are and however you're listening, we are here for you. It's AM870, AM870theanswer.com, and then on the app, AM870 app, get that. It makes the show easy to listen to whenever you want. Talking about the biggest stories of the week, including Biden goes off to Europe for the G7, Kamala Harris goes down to South America to try and stop the sources of illegal immigration, Various states are either outlawing or getting into the COVID vaccine passports. Gavin Newsom's not going to rescind his emergency COVID order from last year. And what about the COVID vaccine lottery in California? How's that working out? And then talking about some stories on the culture war, including abortion polling and a teacher in Virginia who suspended over not doing the issue of the pronouns on the trans issues. And he's fighting back and reinstated. What does that mean for the broader debate? But Riggy, big story seems to be first with the Biden domestic agenda running into a little bit of trouble. The trouble's name is Joe Manchin. Yeah, I mean, Joe Manchin's from West Virginia, the senator from West Virginia. He uh, is considered by some to be a moderate, depending on which side you're on. But uh, he's a Democrat, and that's a, that's a conservative state. Now, it's a poor state, and so a lot of the, the, the things that the federal government hands out, people like that. They like that support, and so that works for you. He's a pretty down-to-earth kind of guy, but he's basically the, the 50th vote, basically, to change things. And he's just holding firm on it, so... What do they call it? The Senate one or HR one? What's the voting? Yeah, S one. S one. Senate one, which basically gives all the voting uh, control to the federal government, controls how we vote, controls mail in ballots, all that kind of stuff. He's already said now he's he's against it, which means they don't have enough votes. And the reality of it is, there's probably like four or five more Democrats against it. But Joe's kind of just taking the hit, just saying, hey, if he doesn't do it, the rest of them can kind of hide behind his vote. And I don't. They said it's going to go to a vote, but. Yeah, but, Chuck Schumer, the majority leader, said he wants to hold a vote on it, even though it has no chance of passing because it has to get 60 votes in the Senate. So it was, it was probably never going to pass anyway. But then without Manchin, they're down one. And I think you're right. There's probably other Democrat senators, at least Kirsten Cinema from uh, Arizona is probably against it also. But I think they're going to hold, hold the vote anyway because they want to try and make Republicans look bad. But then, you know, uh, Manchin wasn't done. He still reiterated his support. For the filibuster, and this drives left crazy, Riggy, because they want to get rid of the filibuster so that they can pass all their big ticket agenda items on a party line vote and a simple majority. 
But Manchin's saying no on that also. Yeah, and the filibuster, just understand, basically the rules of the Senate are such that um, if you want to move something forward you, and, and people want to stop it, you need 60 votes to stop discussion and go to a vote, basically. That's what the rules are. And so all you have to do nowadays, too, is just say, I'm calling a filibuster, technically. You don't have to actually speak you don't have, for yeah. 24 hours. The old hours. filibusters, you have to actually stand at the microphone and control the microphone and all that kind of stuff. These senators are too old. They would, you know, just go down. Um, so so in order to do that, now what, what that's done, let's face it, when, when we're in control, we hate the filibuster because, you know, we've got our 51 votes. That's the other thing. When people complain about uh, Trump and they'll say, hey, when you had the Senate and you had the, uh, the House, you didn't do anything. You got to have sixty votes. Fifty votes won't get it in the Senate. So, and and our forefathers looked at this thing to say, this is how we keep government from going whipsaw and back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. There's more deliberation in the Senate, and Manchin's going to stick with that. Now, it's they could simply change the rules with a fifty, I guess fifty-one votes to change the rules, and that's what they're asking them to do is change the rules to change how we do a filibuster, and then at that point, everything. Katie, bar the door. Yeah, because what they've done with judicial nominations is they've changed the rules to only require 51 votes or majority to pass nominees out of the Senate for the um, Court of Appeals and also for the Supreme Court. And now the leftists want Manchin to approve that for big ticket legislation. He's saying no. So what does that mean? Well, it means this voting rights bill, if you want to think of it that way, is dead. It also, you know, the other problem he has is with infrastructure and talks broke down with the other senator from uh, West Virginia, Shelley Moore Capito, she was trying to negotiate with President Biden. She walked out because he said he canceled negotiations. And so Biden heads off to Europe, Riggy, looking like he's not getting his voting rights bill. Infrastructure bill might not happen. And now Biden's over in Europe saying the U.S. is back um, and he's trying to make good on his promise to be softer, kinder, gentler. But on the other hand, you kind of wonder, like, why is that good for the U.S.? For the president to basically be out there being soft on Europe when Trump rightly called Europe out for its lack of leadership, lack of contributions to NATO. Um, And now Biden's going out there trying to say he's going to redo this horrible Iran deal, which is going to give them cash in exchange for nothing. Nothing's required on their part. Yet you kind of wonder, like, does this say more about where Europe's at than where the U.S. is at? Well, it's that, but it's also kind of understand that when you get to the level that the Bidens are at and senators are at and people have been around a long time, this is their world. This is their world they live in. They love doing state dinners in foreign countries. They like speaking people speaking French to them and telling them how great they are and handing them ribbons and, and all these kind of things. I mean, John Kerry, I mean, he, he, he loves nothing better to, than to go to Europe and speak French. Literally, literally. He loves to show that he can speak French because he's, you know, some kind of uh, um, Frenchy guy. And, and, and so that's their world, and that's important to them. And, and they want to be liked. They want to be liked by the people. They're already elected into the U.S. Now they just want to be on a bigger stage, and so that's what you get. Yeah, what's so interesting is all of the news stories about Biden's trip to Europe all had the same slant, which was – After four years of rough diplomacy from Trump and alliances being wrecked, Europe is so glad to now have Biden back and, you know, the international order is going to be restored. And you kind of look at this and you go, well, during the Trump years, he stuck it to China. Russia didn't do anything. No countries were invaded. No new wars were started. And we killed some terrorists. Was that really that bad? No, it wasn't. And, and remember, the, the way Trump would say it, he says, I'm America and I'm America first. And I expect you, Europe, France, Great Britain, to be your country first. And then we'll work out our deal. 
We'll figure out what we have to do, but we're just not going to roll over in the United States and just say, oh, no, you guys be first and we'll do it. We're, we all have to work together, but let's work together you know, based on what's mutually important for, for all of us to do. But absolutely, but also look what's happening in Spain. Look what's happening in Denmark. Look what's happening in France. The, the, the conservative parties are winning you can't have all this crazy stuff go on in your cities, have all this mass migration coming in, and then, and then say, wait a second, you're changing our culture. These are smaller countries. They get massively impact. I mean, they're not the melting pot that we are. And so, um, and if, of course, if you listen to our news about what's happening over in Europe, all the right-wing wacko people, well, you, know, you listen to them, they're not wacko. They're just saying, hey, you know, we can't be keep on taking in immigrants into our country that will not assimilate. Oh, is that a new story for us? Right. And what's interesting is you look at all those countries and it's almost like they want to have a Denmark first or or France first because it's like they realize our culture is changing because the left's desire to import low low wage, unskilled people combined with big business's desire to have low wage people working really is bad for the culture. And yet Biden's out there saying, oh, we're going to rejoin the Paris Climate Accord. We're going to redo the Iran Treaty. These are things that nobody cares about and thinks are priorities. When you, when you go to Denmark, you go to, go to Copenhagen, there's a train now that goes across the, the, uh, the sea there to get over to Sweden. It goes to Malmo, uh, this town. Malmo is a beautiful town from whatever, a thousand years ago. Is you're in this beautiful walking town and you start walking farther and farther away from that, you start seeing more women wearing veils. Before you know it, they're wearing the full black hijabs. That's in Sweden. And, and, you, it, and they've changed it completely. And the Swedish government's freaking out because they're not even controlling these areas you know, politically anymore. So yeah. a lot's changing over there. Yeah, and I think a lot of these people are going to start wishing that their leaders – had a little more of the chutzpah to say, hey, what's in our country's best interest? And, and they're, they're going to elect those people. That's right. Coming up, Kamala goes to the South America to solve the illegal immigration and fails, and Biden wants to send 500 million doses of COVID vaccine abroad. Be right back. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. It's the Weekend Answer Show. Garrett Fay, Jim Righeimer. I'm a business and election law attorney, formerly a Capitol Hill staffer, worked in federal and state government. Riggy was the mayor of the city of Costa Mesa, did a lot of time in local politics, down in the dirty. Uh, talking about some more national stories, including Vice President Kamala Harris goes to South America, and then Biden wants to send 500 million doses of the COVID vaccine abroad. But Riggy, first to Kamala, um, you know, I, I kind of don't envy her in some ways because – Biden keeps tasking her with projects that she has no competence or capacity to do and really can't succeed at. The first one was she's going to solve the border problem. Then the White House clarified, no, 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 she's not going to actually fix the border. She wants to just address the underlying conditions in the countries from which the migrants are coming. And then he put her in charge of opposing Republican efforts to clean up their voter rolls and improve their voting laws. She's not going to think about that. But this last week she went down to South America and while she was down there, she did an interview with Lester Holt, and this is really the main news tidbit that came out of the week, which is, when are you going to the border? Okay. Do you have any plans to visit the border? I, at some point, you know, I, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So you, this, whole, this, whole, this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I mean, I don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. 
I don't understand the point that you're making. I mean, why, why, why do I know this woman didn't pass the bar the first time? I mean, how many times did it take for her to pass the bar? Actually, I, I, I know it wasn't one. Um, listen, she, this is Lester Holt. They, they are, they were used to having the press completely 100% on their time. At a certain point, the Lester Holts of the world, who are as left as they can come, still have to see, keep some credibility and ask a real question. When he first asks the question, she's ready to say, at some point, I will, and she stopped herself from saying that, because there's no way in hell she's ever going to the border. No, she's never going to go to the border, but you could tell by the tone in her voice, she's tired of the question, because House Republicans have been raising this issue for months, ever since Biden came in and illegal immigration went crazy, the border was overwhelmed. You know, we've had hundreds of thousands of people coming across. House Republicans and more of the right-leaning center-right media have been saying, hey, when are you actually going to go do something about this? And, and, and again, they put her in charge of it only to say, well, she's not really in charge of it. And then, Riggy, as you noted, like she kind of stopped her answer. But I think it's because she realized they have to actually address the criticism of how are you – who's supposedly in charge of fixing this, going to ever get your hands around this if you don't go. And even CNN was making fun of her. Poppy, it's no surprise that the White House was not thrilled by that answer, a little bit confused as to why she handled it that way. The, the uh, obvious discomfort with Lester's question, the nervous laughter there, uh, uh, it's hard to understand because this is a question that the administration's been dealing with for months. Listen, I mean... This woman has she not only should not have any gravitas, she has negative gravitas. She has nothing there, really. If you followed here in California, how she moved up in office, I mean, the fact of the matter was, you know, how, how she got moved up is she had relationships with different people in high office, period. And that's a fact. And then and then they handed her jobs where they'd appoint her to positions where she'd make her $120,000 a year to be on some statewide committee that meets once a month for two hours. Well, you know, you can, you can figure out your political life when, when the government is funding you to be on some committee and pays you 120 grand a year, and then also you can jump to an a, a attorney general or, or go to a, you know, remember, she became a prosecutor because that was the good thing. You, you'd be a Democrat, and, and, but, you're, but you're, a, you're tough on crime. That works. Of course, that's not working for her now. They picked her to be vice president. I don't know exactly why, except that she was a woman and, and she was black. Right. Or she was half black or whatever, right. whatever they say nowadays. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all biography. It's all biography. So that's why they did it. And now they've got this woman that's like, she, there's no way she can take over as president. No. And the thing is, I think they thought, put her in as vice president. Biden's obviously slowing down a little bit mentally. And so she will be able to handle things, and maybe he will step out after one term. He said at one point during the campaign he's likely only going to serve one term. Um, and they thought, okay, she'll be the successor, which then gets her in line to be the first woman president, the first president of color. And now they're finding out this is an absolute mess. She is a disaster. Here's part of her interview when she was in Guatemala. I also believe that if you want to fix a problem, you have to go to where the problem exists. If you want to address the needs of a people, you must meet those people. You must spend time with those people. Because the only way we can actually fix the problem is to understand the problem. Does she actually just always act like she has a sixth grade audience in front of her? Well, I was just going to say, her speechwriter should be fired. Yeah, I mean, it this is, is, at, this is crap. It's, the stuff she says, it, it go, in the crowd, in your own crowd, they all cheer. You got to be with the people, the people of our community, yada, 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 yada. But the reality of it is, 
there's no way on the planet Earth this woman has any kind of ability to be vice president of the United States. Now, think about this. The president of the United States is being run by probably a half a dozen people at the most. There's some top people, nobody, chief of staff. And nobody with the last name Biden. No, and, and, they're, and you never hear about him in the news. I mean, they're chief well, of staff. And- you, you, you do in the sense of there was an article this last week from some left-wing outlet praising Ron Klain, the chief of staff, as one of the best chiefs of staff in recent memory. Because I think the admission there is he's the one running the government. Right. But I'm, I, I bet you he didn't run out there and say do the interview because oh, they don't no. want to have anything on them. Now think about this. They're going, wait a second. We're bringing Bozo Kamala in after here? There's no way I'm putting up with this woman. Right. And if, but, it, but if she's vice president, she does have power. She can get people fired. She can do all sorts of stuff. They've just got a train wreck coming. So meanwhile, what they're trying to do, what they should be doing, is get everything they can get past done. The problem is, is they're, to please their left, they are going so far over the top they can't. They're just going too far. The bridge too far, and they can't get stuff done. How you cannot get infrastructure done is ridiculous. Right. Well, I mean, what, it's easy to get infrastructure done. Right. And what's so interesting to me is to circle back to Kamala. You know, the whole problem with vice presidents, and when you become vice presidents, you don't have a lot of foreign policy experience. So obviously, what they're doing is they're trying to give Kamala, um, you know, portfolios of things to do that involve foreign policy. So that way, if she's a presidential nominee she can say oh i worked on this this and this but what's so bad about that is she's so inept and so you're sending someone who has no experience to solve a problem she can't solve and look in her defense this might be an unsolvable problem because the different democratic constituencies are at war with each other you right. know the, the blue collar union democrats hate illegal immigration you know black democrats hate illegal immigration so she's trying to make both sides happy but on the other hand why don't they put her in charge of COVID? That could be easy. You know, the big story right. this week on COVID was the Biden administration is going to send 500 million doses of the vaccine to Africa. Why don't they put her in charge of that? That could be on autopilot. She could go to Africa and hand out vaccines. Why do they send her on this mission, which I think is doomed to fail, when she has no ability to do anything about it? It makes no sense to me. Yeah, no, she, again, she doesn't have the ability to do it. That would have been an easy one. Travel around. They give shots. They're all happy. She smiles. She shakes hands with people. But let's face it. She, there, there, there's no chops there to get anything done. She doesn't know how to get it done. Their party's at war. So the five or six people that are running Biden are just pushing everything through they can get through. Kamala's kind of like hanging on for the ride. And, I mean, she, you know, he's going to be a one-term president. She's going to be gone. There, I mean, there's no way. She's going to be, you know, vice president or president of the United States. That's no, just never going to and happen. what's so interesting is if you recall to the Obama years, Obama put Biden in in charge of like domestic things that were more doable. Hey, do the recovery, do the GM bailout, all that kind of Go stuff. Go to hurricane. Yeah, he didn't task him with fixing the border problem because I think he knew. He's not going to, and Obama didn't want to give Biden anything too substantive because that takes the limelight off him. But I think somewhere in Biden orbit, they're scratching their heads and going, what the hell are we going to do with Harris? Because every time she talks, she makes an idiot of herself. Yeah, so we'll see now if, if uh, she's still in the news or if they'll kind of like pull her away from doing things. Yeah, how could they not? This was, this was a bad week. This yeah, was a really bad. bad. Week. Coming up, Newsom won't rescind his COVID emergency order and warnings about scams related to the vaccine lottery. Don't change that dial.
All right, welcome back. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Republicans, Democrats, everyone, anywhere in between. Wherever you fall on the gender or political spectrum, we are here for you, breaking down the biggest stories of the week. It's AM870, The Answer. Weekend Answer, I'm Garrett Fay. I'm with Jim Righeimer. I do business and election law. Ricky does business, and he also does this, causes some trouble. Now, talking about what's happening in California, obviously COVID has lifted. We are a very, very, very low COVID rate. Second lowest COVID rate, I think, in the entire country after Hawaii, which has pretty much none. And so Newsom, the governor, has announced that, hey, starting next week, June 15th, it's going to be Independence Day. And he's going to be lifting most of the orders. Most of the color-coded system is going to be scrapped. And, Ricky, this has caused a lot of rejoicing. People are excited because they're going to largely be able to go without masks. Although this last week, the head of the California Department of Health and Human Services announced the mask rules. And we'll get into some of those. But the bigger issue is, aside from the mass, aside from June 15th, what has a lot of people rightly concerned is the fact that Newsom is still not lifting his emergency order from March of 2020 dealing with COVID and basically saying there's a state of emergency in California because of this pandemic and the virus. Therefore, I am the governor. I'm going to do A, B, C, and D. It allows him to implement rules. It allows county health departments to implement rules. And the big issue is, until he lifts this, we're truly not free, yet why would he if you're Gavin Newsom? Yeah, I mean, again, emergency orders mean I am king because you can't go through. You think about it. If you've got some kind of uh, tornado that comes through or some kind of hurricane or whatever, and you need to take control of government to solve a problem, you can't go through the legislative process. It just it just takes too long to do it. So you give the the power to the governor, the legislature agrees to it. Now, the legislature could come up there and say, hey, no, that's enough, and you need to take it away, but there's nobody with enough um, um, huevos to go ahead and take that away from from him because it's, it's, it's a one-party state. But this is outrageous. Yeah, and, and, and just to make this concrete, what does this look like? Well, you use the emergency powers, and in this case, Newsom issued 47 executive orders and unilaterally changed hundreds of laws. And so California State Senator Melissa Melendez has introduced resolutions calling for this to be repealed, and she's trying to restore a proper balance between the legislative and the executive branch and to end the open-ended state of emergency because, like you said, this lets him do anything. And what has people scratching their heads, Riggy, is California has one of the lowest COVID rates of any state. California has the lowest per person spread in the U.S. We have nearly 18 million Californians have been fully vaccinated, which is about 45 percent of the population. So the question is, why is this here? And this comes down not to the virus, but it's all about politics and political power. It's absolute power. I mean, think about it. We went into this whole thing, went into the shutdown because our, our ICUs were going to be overwhelmed. There is nothing happening at hospitals right now. This is de minimis. If we didn't talk about COVID like we are right now, nobody even know it exists in the world because it really does. And it's, it's almost like a, a third-level kind of disease out there. It's like a, a flu strain or something else at this point. The older people that were dying from it or comorbidities, they've all been vaccinated, so they're not dying from it anymore. We're having some odd and unusual deaths here and there. But we have, we have deaths in hospitals that, you know. People, by the way, do not get through life. They do die at some point. And whether it's COVID or whether it's pneumonia or whether it's diabetes, these are all bad things, but this is what happens. And so now by keep on keeping a count on it, like how many days we're going to go on it. But what is he doing? He's keeping con- complete control and power. And this has to be ended. I'll tell you another thing. Some of these labor unions out there, forget the teachers and stuff, because we talked about who has to wear masks after the 15th? Yeah, it's, we'll, it's, we'll get into that in a second, the specifics. It's but yeah. goofy. But, I mean, if I was the police union, 
I would go to my union and say, I'm not wearing the freaking mask anymore. I'm not a wuss. These freaking wussy cops wearing the damn mask, running around when they're all vaccinated. It's, what's the message they're putting out here? I mean, they can't do it. I guess, but for bank robbers and for everybody else who wants to do, c- commit violence, it's great because you can wear masks everywhere and nobody says anything, right? Yeah, so what Newsom said is in response to the question of, hey, are you going to get rid of your ex- executive order? He said, quote, this disease has not been extinguished. It's not vanished. It's not taking the summer months off. Neither is cancer. Right. Okay, so cancer. Let's have cancer. It hasn't been taken care of. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a no-brainer deal. It's well, a, a minor thing. Well, and, and the whole flaw in his thinking is it's never going to be fully extinguished. So no. you're going to keep emergency powers until there isn't one case of COVID in the entire state? Until they get COVID-21. Right. The COVID-21, then, then you know, they can go switch to the next COVID. Right. So that brings us to masks. Now, June 15th is supposedly Independence Day, but the state health officer, Mark Golly, he's the head of California Health and Human Services. He clarified this last Wednesday of where fully vaccinated people do need to wear a mask in California. And, Riggy, some of this is not surprising. It's public transportation, airports, bus terminals, indoors in K-12 through school settings, other child care activities, obvious giveaway to the unions there, health care facilities, correctional, detentional facilities, homeless shelters, emergency shelters, and cooling centers. So that's not surprising. The bigger issue is they laid out the three options for business owners in terms of mask enforcement. Yeah, so that what they're saying is, number one, you just go on the honor system where people say they're vaccinated and fine, you don't have to wear a mask. You can go to a situation of ask them whether they're vaccinated or not, and they and again, you don't give them any paperwork, you just ask them and do it. And then other employers can, or, or uh, businesses can say, hey, you have to wear a mask no matter what. Again, it's all ridiculous. Even to the point of airports and airplanes, I was traveling this last week, what am I wearing a mask for? It's like a joke after a while. I mean, even on the flights now, the, 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 the flight attendants are kind of done with telling you. You know, you go eat your peanuts, and then you got to put it up between every single thing. You know what? You can make your peanuts last the whole flight now, and nobody gives a damn. Yeah, the rule is you don't have to wear his mask as long as you're eating or drinking. Well, all of a sudden, everyone's eating and drinking the entire flight. Oh, I, I, I took a cup of water, two-hour flight, didn't finish the cup of water in two hours. And, and you know what? They used to tell you, literally, you know, between – now they're like, hey, we're done with this thing. This is a charade. This means nothing. This is kind of like the, the, you know, putting a star David on somebody or putting the, uh, the adulterous A or whatever else on you, some kind of mark by wearing this thing to say, hey, you know, I'm woke. I still wear my mask. People have got to just quit wearing the mask. And employers, tell your employees you don't have to wear the stupid mask anymore because you want to know something. When I go into a place and I see employees still wearing a mask, I go, oh, stupid person running this company. I mean, literally, don't, what, what they think is we don't want to upset our customers. They, they're, they're trying to say we, some customers are uncomfortable if you don't wear a mask. No, to me it says you're stupid. There is no reason to wear a mask, to wear that itchy thing on your face. I can't see your, your, your employee smile to me, say a nice comment to me. I don't know what they mean, their reaction. Like it, it, nothing sarcastic can be said because you can't have the little smirk after it or whatever. So I, anytime I go into a place and I see a mask, I go, that's a dumb CEO running this company because he thinks we're stupid enough to think it makes a difference wearing a stupid mask. Well, and it also raises the question of, are you really following the science? And what we now know is the transmission rate is all, it's low. It's nearly non-existent. We now know from Anthony Fauci's emails that wearing these disposable masks generally doesn't do anything. Uh, you know, the person-to-person transmission is low unless you have what the CDC defines as, you know, a contact, which is 15 minutes of close interpersonal contact. So in light of all those things, 
Why are people still doing this? And why are we doing it to kids? This seems like child abuse to make kids wear these masks. It is for these kids in school. And look at the Cleveland Clinic, not exactly the right-wing bastion of medicine. Cleveland Clinic is like the Mayo Clinic. It's big in Ohio. They they do all the greatest medicine out there. They have a great way they handle their patients. They did a study amongst employees without getting the technical data. They basically said anybody that had COVID – Anybody that had COVID had the same uh, uh, chance of getting COVID again as a person who got vaccinated, meaning that there's no reason to be vaccinated if you already had COVID. That's basically what it said. So that's why everything is way down between people getting the shots and everybody who already had it. This thing is just going to be over with. It's just it's just not, you know, moving any farther. No, out and the thing is, we're all for following the science, but actually follow it to where it leads, not just live in fear. Yeah. Now, listen, coming up, you can't miss this. States are giving away joints with shots. A high school teacher in Virginia pushes back against the transgender cancel culture. Be right back. the weekend answer show and don't forget after the show if you miss us go check us out on the podcast am870 the answer just google google weekend answer whether you're on the google play if you're on apple you go to the app store you find us there on itunes we are there for you breaking down the biggest stories that we talked about some legal issues now and riggy not i guess i mean this should be surprising i guess it's not uh, we talked before about how california is giving away all these bribes and goodies to go get your vaccine shots well, Washington and other states are taking it to the next step, and they're actually giving out weed or edibles. So if you're in Washington state and you haven't been vaccinated, you can go get your vaccine shot, and they'll give you a joint. If you're in Arizona, they'll give you a little gummy edible. And this shouldn't be surprising, but it still is pretty insane. Hey, dude. <laughs> dude, I got the munchies. I mean, if somebody like 20 years ago said the government would be giving out marijuana to get people to get vaccinated for some disease because you know first of all there's a disease out there that you have to be vaccinated for but you don't want to get it done but we'll we'll, we'll send you weed and 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 it's kind of like let's not only um tell the public that this gets people to go how stupid it, but it tells kids and everything else that oh government hands out weed there's nothing wrong with it it doesn't stunt your brain it doesn't work with how you 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 uh, your brain works and you grow up no 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 just smoke that pot it's just fantastic anything to get a shot well and what's so crazy is this unites sort of the militant aggressive authoritarian left which is you better get that shot to enter society with people who have nothing in common with that, with like the stoner left, which is I don't want to comply, I don't want to do things, I just want to sit around and smoke weed. And like, yeah, if you get the munchies, we'll give you a snack. But on the other hand, you think like this isn't surprising because these are states that are basically going off the reservation when it comes to values and any sense of normalcy and propriety. So if you're in Washington State, you have the program which is run by the Liquor and Cannabis Board, and it's no joke. It's called Joints for Jabs. Runs until July 12th, allows states licensed dispensaries to give qualifying customers one pre-rolled joint at an in-store vaccination clinic. Now, I could understand the logic if it's, hey, getting the shot makes you feel terrible, so you need this joint to get over it. But no one's saying that. This is just, we're going to give you weed. So it's, I guess, aiming at 
the most recalcitrant part of the population that really can't get its act together beyond being stoned. Well, but, yeah, but can you even like come up with a different name? Like you just walk up to the line. I don't have my ID. I mean, dude, man, I'm, you know, but my name is uh, Papa Riggy, and uh, I need to get another shot. And, uh, you know, can you roll up that joint? Can you have the Kush Kush? You know, <laughs> I mean, can, I, can you order the kind you actually want? I mean, what about hashish? I mean, what the heck? It's kind of the same thing. I'm not really sure about it in there. Well, imagine being the company that got the contract to supply the weed. It's, Someone's getting making money. Oh, yeah. This. No, no. It, 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 everything is just dirty how all this stuff is done. But to actually think that the government is saying, we're going to give you weed if you get a shot. You know what? There's these kooky people out there. I, I'm sorry. You're friends of mine. I know. But some of them are just like, you know, the vaccine is, is a magnet and it's putting chips in you. Mind and control. And, mind control. No. Yeah. And also, it, it, it's, it's uh, you haven't heard that um, uh, Gates wants to slow down the population. He said so. The only way you can we can stop the global warming is to slow down the population. So we're basically giving shots to people so they can't get pregnant. That's what's going to happen. It's going to stop people from 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 doing. And, and so but when the government has to give out pot, these people don't sound so crazy anymore. They're like, right. hey, why does the government care so bad? They'll give out prizes. They'll give out money. They'll give out cash. They'll give out pot. They'll give out anything they can do, you know, <laughs> You know, when are they going to start having the sex workers out there? Right. You know? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. We're not that far away. Yeah, yeah. Woo! Now, the other thing is, I guess if you're in Arizona, the program's called Snacks for Vax, which gives you free joints and edibles. And same thing in D.C. They passed out uh, joints at a group from a group called uh, Marijuana Justice, and that was back in April. So I guess the bottom line is, if you haven't gotten your vaccine and you're in Washington, Arizona— you can get some weed along with it. All right, transitioning now to a story involving cancel culture, the transgender movement. We talked about this a lot. Um, the whole push is for public and private entities to recognize people's preferred pronouns, people's preferred gender identities. But, Riggy, what we've seen is a lot of businesses, a lot of individuals are starting to say no. To quote William Buckley, they're standing athwart history, yelling stop. And one Virginia PE teacher at a public school he went to a public school board meeting, said, no, I'm not going to do this. He was suspended. So he hires lawyers from the Alliance Defending and, and, Freedom, what was ADF. He told, what, what, did he, what did he say he wasn't going to do? He, he said he wasn't going to follow the policy that would require him to refer to students by their preferred pronouns. Okay. So he says, no, this guy's name is Tanner Cross. He says, basically, no, I'm not going to follow the school policy. They put him on suspension. He hires a lawyer. He sues. He moves for a preliminary injunction in joining the policy. Judge rules in his favor. So the case isn't over. He wins a temporary injunction, and the judge ordered his reinstatement. So this is a big win for Tanner Cross. But, Riggy, this goes to the bigger issue of if you're a teacher in a public school setting, what options do you have? Not everyone wants to go to a public school board meeting. Not everyone wants to hire a lawyer, but kudos to this guy. Listen, most teachers, and we've always had this issue with the conservative teachers that still pay their union dues and are still part of their union and they don't fight it because when you talk to 90 percent of them they're like listen i just want to be the head of the english department i just want to move ahead in my job i don't want to cause waves and if i go against the union then then it then it hurts me it's the same thing for a teacher to stand up and go to a school board meeting so the reason major reason he won is he went to a public meeting he didn't say in some in some uh staff meeting or whatever he's going to do and 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 show that he was uh um, going against the, 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 his bosses, he just said, "I'm not going to do this in a public meeting," which he's allowed to have public speech to do that. And so, 
we need to do this. What, what did we have this last week with uh, our favorite uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida? He came out and he said, any school board that goes ahead and is, and is teaching critical race uh, theory or supportive of that, I will not endorse. I will go against that p- person on a school board to make sure they're, they're gone. He also said, if they continue to force masks, I will go against those school board members, and I'll make sure. And so he's already gone out to his education people. Let's find out where it's happening. And then from his political side, he's going to say, hey, make sure we know, and I'm going to endorse anybody other than those people. And his endorsement means a lot. Oh, it means a lot. So what did this teacher say? What got him in, in hot water? Well, quote, it's not my intention to hurt anyone, but there are certain truths that we must face when ready. We condemn school policies that would damage children, defile the holy image of God. This is what he originally told the school board. He said, quote, I love all my students, but I will never lie to them regardless of the consequences. I am a teacher, but I serve God first, and I will not affirm that a biological boy can be a girl and vice versa because it's against my religion. It's lying to a child. It's abuse to a child, and it's sinning against God. And, Riggy, I think that shows that if you couch your opposition in a way that doesn't come across as crazy, hateful, and mean-spirited, you can get somewhere. But also this involves legal issues, including the right to speak publicly on an issue of public concern and pushing back against a government mandate of compelled speech. Yeah, you know what? I love when, when good, solid conservatives think before they speak, say it in a certain way, and actually— uh, if you're a moderate on this issue, you don't know this issue like most people, you kind of, oh, I kind of understand that. Yeah, the guy thinks I'm not going to, my my religion says you can't uh, be a woman if you're a man or a man if you're a woman. And I think it's harmful to children to say that. And that's why I'm not going to do it. Not, you know, I'm just some crazy right, right wing nutcase out there that's just saying, absolutely not. I'm not doing this because, you know, some expletive. Yeah. So what did the judge say? He said, quote, upholding constitutional rights serves the public interest, affirming the unconstitutional action taken against Tanner, which has silenced others from speaking publicly on this issue, serves the public interest. The public's knowledge that Tanner's speech was permissible, is encouraged, and is free from governmental oppression serves the public interest. Governmental bodies being held in check for violating a citizen's constitutional rights serves the public interest. So the whole bottom line is the judge is saying what the school district did does not serve government interests in terms of people's ability to speak publicly. So, Ricky, the bottom line of this is people should speak publicly. Well, it, it, it did more than that. It basically said that the public school system, the board, to, by taking away his job, was telling the rest of the public, you speak up and you say something about this, you could lose your job too. So they were using actual power against him. It wasn't just like, we've got to make sure we have free speech. This was using something to say, you're going to lose your job. You can't feed your family. And again, if you're just a teacher out there going, listen, I don't want to get on this train. There, there's, there's nothing good for me here. Right. But the bottom line is kudos to this guy. Again, not everyone's going to file a lawsuit. But if you can speak up publicly, you should. Because unless you do, you're just going to get run over by an idiotic government policy. That's what's happening. Coming up, it's some good news to restore your faith in humanity. Be right back. Welcome back. It's the Weekend Answer Show with Garrett Fay and Jim Brigheimer, AM 870, The Answer, AM 590, The Answer, covering Ventura County, L.A. County, Orange County, and the Inland Empire. Glad you're with us. Hope you and your families are safe and well. Whether you've been vaccinated or not, 
Good for you. Hope you're safe and well and avoiding the Rona. Riggy, got some good news stories here. Mostly talking about one thing, which is, I guess, you know, joy delayed. Now joy realized is it's now wedding season and it's booming. Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, with COVID, you couldn't have weddings. uh, You couldn't have funerals. (laughs) Couldn't have anything, basically. You couldn't allow 10 people in a room. So now that's loosened up across the country. People want to get have their wedding. Now, many of these people obviously got married. They they went to the Justice of the Peace and did it, but they never had their actual proper wedding. And so now they're out there, you know, getting places lined up. What you're finding out is you can't find a venue. You can't get the rental stuff. You can't get a church date. You can't get anything. They're just overly packed. And it's basically when you restrict weddings for a year and a half, what's going to happen on the other end? They're just going to have a ton of them coming out. So... Prices are up, costs are up, everything's going up um, to go ahead and do a wedding right now. I mean, just if you think you're having a wedding this summer and you don't have it already booked or even in this fall, you know, you almost forget about it or do, do it in your backyard. Yeah, a lot of wedding planners are saying their bookings are going into late 2022 and early 2023. Now, let's clarify. That's not for the courthouse wedding. No. That's for the legit wedding where you want to have a ceremony, you want to have people. And what's interesting is part of this whole rush is some couples who got married during COVID are now having do-over bigger weddings. And so you kind of think that's kind of fun. But for the husband's probably stressful redoing this thing all over again. I mean, getting married is stressful enough once. But if you're the bride and you didn't get the big party, of course you want the party. No, absolutely. You should you should have that party and that celebration with all your family and friends um, if you want to go ahead and do that. And plus the fact, you know, they want to get their families going and, and, and they don't want the bride walking down the aisle, you know, six months pregnant. They want to, like, get the wedding done and and uh, and go on and get the family going. So, I mean, it's all good. It's all positive. I, I think it's, it's actually a very positive story to say how important weddings are still. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, as everyone knows, country, yeah. you know, one of the biggest and most important building blocks of any healthy society is families. Right. And I think for a lot of people, COVID prevented them from starting their family. Um, they sat on it or they did a courthouse wedding or they just decided to put it off. And now that COVID is receding, this is good. So, you know, we support this. The only problem is we're not in the wedding vendor business. Yeah, we, we, we sh- yeah. I, I think any all the businesses are just picking up at a, at a breakneck speed. I think it's amazing when you get Biden and hate to get into politics in our good, good uh, time section here. But Biden talking about, isn't it great how I'm getting the economy going? Anybody could get the economy going. It's been closed up so much. I mean, just weddings alone. Right. I mean, yeah, just people who've been sitting on it now, they can do it. So, again, kudos to them. Congratulations to them. Kudos to the vendors. They've been having a rough year. They're coming back. It's all the good news that we have time for. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for us this week. We'll be back next weekend. Have yourselves a great and safe week.